Welcome to Have You Not Heard, a podcast hosted by licensed counselor and author of The Perfecting Storm, Angel H. Davis. Join her as she shares stories of hope and restoration from her 30 plus years of healing experience. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking your own licensed mental health professional, but a source of inspiration for your own journey. If you enjoy what you hear, be sure to like, subscribe, and rate this podcast. Now, here's Angel. Hey, you guys, we're in for a treat today. We're going to kind of do a switchy-roo. Kathleen Flynn, my friend that you met in episode six, The Great Pursuit, is going to interview me about marriage, about the perfecting storm. She was actually my first editor with the book, and she was one of my greatest encouragers, and she actually is a great writer herself. But we um, certainly had bonded before, but grueling through the book writing, and it was grueling, but it was worth it, uh, really bonded us even more. So I hope you're going to enjoy it. And without further ado, here is Kathleen. Hey, Angel. Good morning. Oh my gosh, such a treat to talk to you today. And I am so excited because I get to interview you. Yay! I, I know. Well, I have loved, loved, loved your marriage podcast um, every Thursday. I just cannot wait to listen. And I've learned so much from them and from your book, The Perfecting Storm. You have really taught me so many great things about marriage and about walking together with our husbands. But I have a kind of, as we start the interview, a big picture question. So you spend a lot of time in your book and in the podcast talking about our relationship with God rather than specific marriage issues. Can you unpack that for me a little bit and tell us why that is? Wow, that's a great question, Kathleen. Yeah, I think that's the overall message I learned through all my suffering in Mm -hmm. our marriage is that it's really about God. And I had it more about making it about me, making it about my husband or making it about the marriage. Like I had either one of those three on the throne, meaning that was more important to me than what God thought or what God felt about my marriage. So the other issue I think is that I think not every, well, no, I could say this, every single marriage, whether it's redeemed or not redeemed, the issues in it are come from sin, come from mm. our sin nature. And then, of course, you know, the enemy comes against that. But it starts with our own hearts that, you know, we are just selfish and we want our own ways and we do things our own way. So I, I just have learned that if you don't put God central, nothing else is going to work. I can teach you a, amazing communication mm. techniques. We can do all kinds of things. But um, if that issue of who's on the throne of your life is not dealt with, then the rest is going to be hard um, to be redeemed. Oh, my goodness. Well, that is so true. And I know that from personal experience, too. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't we learn it the yes. hard way? Yes. Oh, yes. my and goodness. It's yeah. a continual learning, right? Yes. In this In this climate we've been in with 
COVID and every other chaotic thing going on in our world, I have been convicted uh, on a whole new level because I've been getting irritated with my husband. I've been having some of those old thoughts before and those arrogant thoughts, like I know more than he knows I'm doing better than he's doing all that stuff. So it's a continual, um, you know, transformation over time. And thank God we have such a loving, kind, patient God. Oh my goodness. I know his mercy. Hallelujah for that angel. Um, You know, just yesterday I read an article in the Wall Street Journal talking about marriages under pressure, marriages mm. in a crucible. And I know you have gotten more inquiries for marriage counseling in the past few months than in a while, and you don't mm-hmm. even do it anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> but can you just speak into that a little bit? As we are together, a lot of us, you know, 24 seven with our mm-hmm. spouse, as we may be in financial crisis, as we are afraid and have anxiety over what's happening, mm-hmm. how can we keep God as that center? How can we keep him on his throne mm-hmm. and not just divert to our selfish ways? Yeah. Wow. Yes, not easy to do, but that again is what I think my journey has been, um, is to keep, you know, meaning recent journey in our climate that I'm looking too much at my husband than Mm. I am at God. So keeping our hearts open, keep asking God, you know, that we've talked about in this podcast, Psalm 139, you know, look at my heart, convict me of my thoughts so that I can stay in your will and have that destiny for my life. So personally, you know, it's taking that log out of our own eye first. It's so much easier. So I know when I get grumbly with my husband, when I'm not acting in respect or love towards him, then something's wrong with my heart. So I, I, I have, you know, and I think everybody, if they're really honest with themselves and they let God search their hearts, there's certain like things we go to when our hearts aren't right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's not a journey people have gone through, I, when I began the journey, God used the fruits of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5 to have me check my heart. Like if I'm not acting in love, I'm not being mm-hmm. kind, I'm not being gentle. And, I, it, and under the pressure, it's hard to do. So we can only do it through depending on the Holy Spirit to empower us, but we have to be open to letting him give us checks and balances. Oh my goodness. Isn't that the truth? Wow, Angel. And, you know, you just mentioned something that kind of piqued my curiosity when you said that when you're not walking out those fruit of the spirit, when you're not treating your husband with love and respect, Mm -hmm. um, can you unpack that respect part a little bit for us? Boy, yeah, this is something that was a game changer in our relationship. If you ask my husband, this was really the pivotal thing for him that helped his heart turn back towards me. And just to reiterate, because I think it's also relevant for the times we're in and the question you ask that's connected to this is it's easy to take each other for granted or neglect, you know, each other and our marriage, meaning we're just, 
they're safe. It's easy. You're, I'm used to you. You know, I can, I can dump all my stuff on you, right. Instead of treating you out of respect or love. So that's a, another part of kind of checking our hearts, so to speak. But so this concept of love and respect comes out of Ephesians five, where, you know, the famous passages on marriage, but the, it begins with respect and reverence for Christ in, in Ephesians five twenty one, it says to submit to one and out other out of reverence of Christ. And then it goes on to verse 33 to say, each one of you also must love his wife and as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So there's directives to a wife and a husband that are different. And where I really uh, learned this concept, it became alive to me was through Emerson Egerich's Love and Respect book. And I recommend that to all married couples. It's amazing. And it what helped me understand these passages more. But one of the things, I think it's out of his book, it says that God gives us directives to do what doesn't come natural to us. So for men, they're wired for respect. They're wired to respect each other. They're wired to receive respect and their hearts are like enlightened, buoyed up, you know, kind of edified by respect. For us as women, we're wired more for love. And um, his point, one another point in his book is that the church kind of did a whole, for a, so many decades, all we talked about was love, but we didn't really unpack the respect part. So I had mm-hmm. to learn it. I, I had to be taught by some male mentors and spiritual directors and through my husband and through God's word, what respect looked like. Um, but it's a commandment. And what God told me directly was I am to respect my husband, not because you think it earned, he earns it, but you it's unconditional respect. Mm. It's like we, as women want unconditional love from our husbands, no matter if we're acting right or falling apart or whatever, Men desire unconditional respect and doing that out of respect and reverence for Christ. I didn't think my husband deserved my respect. If you ask arrogant angel, (laughs) I, I didn't think he deserved my respect, but the Lord just so chastised me. He said, he is my son and you will respect him. And it, of course, a loving chastisement because then it, it empowered me to actually do something I didn't want to do. And so then, you know, it's from the Holy Spirit when that happens, right? Yep. So part of it was I had to learn how to talk to my husband differently. I, I, I got really convicted and Larry Crabb is another great resource. His books on on um, men and women and the differences and, and marriage and his books just in general are great. Um, but I had the privilege of being directed by him at one point and he just nailed me on how I was talking to my husband, like a third grade teacher would talk to a kid. Whoa. I know Kathleen. <laughs> and I had no idea because if I talked to you that way, you would receive it as, Oh, she loves me. Oh, you know, <laughs> it makes my, it makes my heart happy that I'm saying, Oh, you did such a good job. And thank you so much for, 
I beat but, it up. <laughs> so what what I got taught was that a husband wants to know how is he impacting me for good? How is he impacting my life and my heart in a way that is good? So when I started learning how to say, man, when you did X, Y, and Z, it made me feel safe. It made me feel protected. It made me feel um, like I was free to then go do what I wanted to do or whatever it is. But when I would open my heart to him to say, you impacted my life in a positive way, then that was respectful. Or when I would say, man, what you did really made me feel unsafe or, you know, not protected or like you're, I'm out to dry on my own. That's another form of respect. But I, I let him know how he impacted my heart, not what he should do different, not what he, he you know, like, oh, good job, good job. Right. <laughs> you know? But how did he impact my heart? Um, so that's one of the big ways um, we show respect or we give respect. And the other way is how do I speak to him when I'm not happy, when I am angry, when I don't agree with him. And so to speak truth in love is also a form of respect. When you say that's a hugely thing, how is he impacting me for good? And then telling him that mm-hmm. not just. And I, and I, I do appreciate him and I verbalize that appreciation um, for the things he does, et cetera. But have I told him how he's impacting me, you know, internally, my heart? I don't know mm-hmm. that I've done that lately. Um, mm-hmm. And that just, to me, that harkens back to a new way of looking at respect the way we respect the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. carrying that into respecting him. Mm. is powerful. Mm-hmm. I think, Angel, one of the, and you mentioned this in a podcast, and it just nailed me between my eyes, but you mentioned the sin of neglect. And mm-hmm. I did, had never thought of, well, I had, but sin being, or neglect being a sin. And how many times when, you know, we've got a house full of teenagers, and we're managing work, and all the different things, do we treat and speak to our husbands like like the golden retriever maybe or a third grader, one or the other? Um, right. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't even, we see them, but we do they even feel seen mm-hmm. by us? Mm-hmm. And do they feel heard and respected by us? Mm-hmm. And that is a huge takeaway right now. How is he impacting me for good? And tell him that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even I'll, I'll, I'll just diss on us a little bit here since (laughs) that's what I do pretty well. Um, (laughs) So one of the things I said recently, you know, because I was grumbling and I'm luckily I was talking to God about it first. So that's a good, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a good thing to remember. If we're going to, if we're going to grumble, let's grumble to God who has a solution for us. Right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And not cause more trouble than we need. That is a lesson I learned the hard way. And the words he gave me instead of, you know, I'm pointing my finger at, 
you know, my husband, he, 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 the words God gave me to speak the truth was, I'm really frustrated with our communication right now. I just feel like we're missing each other. And we didn't have a long conversation about it, but it just, it just brought awareness to both of us. And we just started responding in a better way. So Wow. Yeah. These don't have to be, you know, in God's hands, we don't have to have these long drawn out conversations unless we're just first dealing with this, you know, then you got to unpack a lot of stuff usually, but you know, in God's hands, it can be simple. And so that was a simple way and not my words, but it was a simple way. He gave me to share it respectfully and lovingly. And change came out of it. Yeah. Right. By the power of the Holy spirit. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I just think it's something, especially during this time that we're in, we need to really, uh, you know, just ask the Holy Spirit to help us be aware mm-hmm. of let's not fall into that neglect and taking each other for granted and, you know, respond out of love and respect. And again, he's taken us to a deeper level, all of us in these hemmed in times in our mm-hmm. limited times, but that's what he wants to do. He yeah. wants to keep refining our hearts. So it's not a problem per se. It's an opportunity. Wow. That completely flips the frame mm-hmm. and reframes it in a way where you're like, yay. Right. And he's helping me do that even for me right now. So yay. <laughs> that's right. Oh my goodness, Angel. Well, what, Can you just describe for us what you think a healthy marriage looks like? Mm -hmm. Big question, Kathleen, because doesn't, you know, we could ask what 50 people and they might have a different, um, you know, definition for that. Even counselors would have a different definition. So we, we've got to go again, God first, right? God on the throne first. So what does he call a healthy marriage? You know, he calls it a healthy marriage, one that reflects him and his bride. So mm-hmm. what does that mean, you know, practically? Um, for, again, it goes back to, and that's why we got to have the foundation right. And that's where our marriage was going wrong. Because even though we both love God and we, you know, we believed in him as a savior, we didn't have him on the throne. And so then... Um, Everything gets tipsy-turvy that way. Is that a word, yes. tipsy-turvy? Anyway. It totally is. So, okay, now it is. <laughs> so it's, it's not what can I get out of this marriage? What, you know, how can I be happy in this marriage? It's how, how, wh- how can I serve my spouse? How can I love and respect my spouse? So it's about self-sacrifice. It's a learning. Uh, how do we mute that mutual submission? Ooh, women don't love that, that submission word. Well, because we, it's been grossly misrepresented one and we haven't understood it. So it's a mutual submission. How do we learn to serve each other? How do we want the the best for them over the best for us first? Now that's hard because Mm -hmm. that confronts my selfishness, that confronts my self-centeredness. But when one person does that, it, it, it evokes the other person doing that. Like God commanded me to give respect when I didn't want to do it, but then it evoked this really positive thing back. 
So I would say a healthy marriage is one that is centered on God. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, so it's vertical first and then it comes horizontal and the horizontal is how can I build you up? How can I serve you? And boy, I'm getting convicted as I speak this, you know, (laughs) how how can I do that today? How can I serve you today? How can I build you up? How can I, um, you know, be part of your solution instead of part of your problem, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you know, Tom and Joanne Doyle, you've known them longer than I have. And, you know, they're such a great example of doing this on a, you know, every time you talk to them, you're around them, you see them, they're, they're always, you know, looking and, and acting through that, that love and respect lens. And yeah. yeah. So that's all it does show. And there's a lot of fruit from it. Um, Yeah. So, and it's also becomes a, then a safe place. A healthy marriage is a safe place where we can share our hearts with each other. So I, this, I feel compelled to say this because I know there's women out there um, that need to hear this. And I say women because we're the ones, but it may apply to some men, but mm-hmm. well, it does apply to men because we guard our hearts And, you know, we can quote that scripture in Proverbs that says, guard your heart above all else. Well, it's not us guarding our hearts. If you, if you read the verse before, it says the scripture is what guards your heart. The truth of God is what guards your heart. So it's God guarding our hearts and what we know to be true about him. Not like, oh, you've hurt me. So I am not letting you into my heart. That's not what it means, but that's how most people interpret it or act it, that out. And so when we do that, we can't, it can't be a safe place for us to grow in grace and be transformed in Christ likeness. And that is one I think is one of the healthiest uh, fruits of a, of a marriage is that we are growing more like Christ because of the friction, because of the interaction, because of how I have to lay down my life because of how I get to serve and um, think of other people before me, we grow in that through grace into more Christ-likeness. And then that shows the world, the glory of God. And it shows them the power of Jesus to transform. Yes. Yes. Go ahead. No, I'm done. Okay. Well, I am thinking about, I love what you said about a healthy marriage and those parameters are so accurate and we get to be living sacrifices every day, right? We, I mean, that the mm-hmm. Lord calls us to be a living sacrifice to him. And when mm-hmm. marriage kind of by in our culture stopped becoming an act of loving sacrifice and became an act of, you know, my self-fulfillment. And my, you know, self-esteem and all my self stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we just kind of went off the rails a little bit. And it really is about honoring Jesus and honoring our spouse and loving Mm -hmm. them, respecting them, just as you've said. Mm -hmm. But something that you said kind of piqued my um, curiosity. As someone who hates conflict, married to somebody else who hates conflict, um, what is a healthy way, like you mentioned, bringing your frustration to Lee um, over communication, but what are healthy ways 
of having conflict, entering mm-hmm. into that. Yeah. Well, again, I think humility is a starting point. Um, when we're angry, when we're upset, when we don't, are not getting our needs met, you know, the first thing we want to do is blast or point fingers, you know, at, mm-hmm. at our spouse. And so I would first always say a breath prayer. If you don't have time to go to God and, you know, have some further discussion with him, breath prayer. Okay. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord. Come quick and help. There's a Psalm, Psalm verse 70, verse one that says, come quick and help. So that again, became one of my breath prayers when things were rising up and very volatile inside us, you know? Um, So if, if you can't speak truth in love, then it may be like, you need a timeout. You need to take a timeout. So I'm explosive. My husband is not, he's an internal processor. I'm an external processor. So that brings a whole different dance, you know, for us. Yeah. Um, and so I had to, you know, I, I would verbally emotionally, what I call throw up on him. (laughs) Isn't that a great descriptive? (laughs) That's right. It's all coming out. Yeah. I mean, if it's in there, it's coming out, you know? (laughs) And, and in the anger, it it would be at him. And so it's like projectile vomiting. I'm sorry right now for that example, but it's a very (laughs) visual example. And so the Lord, you know, and that was my self-righteousness, right? I have a right to throw up on you. I have a right to do that because I am so angry and you're so wrong. And that's my arrogance. That's my sin. So it's about checking our own sin first. Um, it's about taking time. If you need a timeout, um, if you need to write things down instead mm-hmm. of verbalizing them, that's another way to, um, you know, not be, uh, throwing up on somebody, but then you're talking about the opposite end of, and just avoiding and not mm-hmm. dealing with it. And, and it's easy to do cause we can cover over really easily. And that the beauty of that though, is that you do have time to really go to God and say, okay, or give him permission. Show me the things that I don't need to avoid. Show me the things that we do need to confront and then give me the courage it takes to confront it. Right. So it's, it's less messy, but it can cause as much trouble as the other. Uh, it's just a different process. Um, So we either talk out our anger and conflict or we, it gets buried and then it becomes festers and it, Mm -hmm. you know, grows. Now, again, not everything has to be talked out. Not every little issue has to be dealt with, or my gosh, we'd never get anything done. (laughs) (laughs) So, so again, we're trusting the Holy spirit on what is relevant, but also, um, you know, if something keeps coming up and it's in your crawl, so to speak, and you can't let it go, then you got to deal with it. Right. Or it's not going to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's someone who likes to stuff things and then have them passively, passive aggressively come out at a different time. Yes. Um, yeah, no, that's not healthy. And we do need to, to speak that out in love. Um, yes. Yes. And so that would be, 
a great, you know, one of those indicators, one of those red flags. If you if you're saying these barbs, you know, jokingly or on the side or something, it's like better, better go back and see what's going on in the heart. Yeah. Yep. And this is just an aside, but isn't it interesting, Angel, that when we think about this thing, that's just, you know, bugging us, making us annoyed. And then we do take it to the Lord. I mean, I honestly, I have to say almost every single time it is my log and it's not his splinter. And we go back again to that, um, you know, search my heart, oh God, and show me. Mm-hmm. And, and he so lovingly and kindly and firmly does. <laughs> yes, yes, he does. And it does drive you crazy. I remember, that, you know, it's like, now I've just given up. I'm like, okay, it's probably me, but let me double check. No, I'm teasing. That's right. so, I'm, there, so there's always, not always, but, you know, as a counselor, if, if, if a couple's locked in on something, there's each of them have some kind of, um, culpability in it, so to speak. So doesn't mean that solution is going to necessarily come from each of them. That would be the perfect solution if each of them was willing to search their own hearts and do it different. But God can usher in a solution, even if only one person is doing that. And that's the power of God that blows psychology out of the water. Hmm. Interesting. And you've talked about the power of one before. Um, would you like to share anything else about that? Yeah, I think, I think practically the thing that I would say is that some people ask me a lot, uh, or this would come up often, you know, well, my spouse won't come or, you know, would it help if I just come to counseling and I say, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So if you're, you know, it under God's law, when you're married, you become one flesh. And so what that means in the mystery of how he works, don't ask me how this happens, right? but it's the truth. And you and I have witnessed this over and over again in our lives. When he changes us, it impacts our spouse. So that's a big reason why, yes, counseling, if it's just you, and that's, you know, what happened in our, our story, and it's an unorthodox story, but that's why I think God wants us to tell it because it is unorthodox. It's not what people would say is the best and what counselors say is the best, but me just working on my heart, getting counseling, getting help and letting God clean up, heal my wounds changed my thinking, um, that transferred into inviting a whole new response from my husband. And subsequently, I imagine healing things in his heart, obviously, because he could sustain different change. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how we know, you know, um, is we're looking at are things being transformed? Am I being transformed? Yes. Uh, d- is this in, is God using this then, or do I see the invoking of transformation in the spouse and the marriage, things like that? Absolutely. And Angel, you know, we share that story of being the one um, when my husband and I went through a, a really rough patch, which was unusual for us. And then when the train kind of went off the rails, um, we did do some joint counseling, but we, I mostly did a ton of individual counseling mm-hmm. and 
oh my word, the, the healing that the Lord brought to things from way before I even met him yes. um, and sin patterns that I was entrenched in. Mm-hmm. It was transformative and exactly. And that's the word you used. I was a different person coming out of counseling than I was when I went in by far. Like it was yes. like a 180 turn. I was just a different right. person. And right. that brought such out of my healing. I can give what was needed in our marriage and brought that safety place back um, and brought us back together again. Mm-hmm. So I just want to encourage anybody who's listening that thinks, okay, my husband's not into it or my wife isn't into it. Go do it. Go do it. Um, mm-hmm. Put yourself in that place of healing. It takes time. It takes work. It, it's not cheap, but there are ways to get that healing from the Lord just for you. So you bring something completely different to the marriage. Angel, if you were going to give us two or three things that we can do today to make our marriages better, what would those be? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I want to speak to that, but real quick, I want to speak to something that's on my heart about, cause I know a lot of people have what we would name in our society as a mediocre marriage. Hmm. And, you know, people ask me and I ask myself, why hang in there when there's better? Why would I hang in there? Right. Um, and I, 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 we've kind of talked to that because, you know, God can do anything. And if one person is willing to do, you know, do their own work, then God can transform. But it's also because God is not done. It, you're, you're not done with the story. We have such a quick fix, you know, society. And we look so short, you know, short um, cited as even Christians we do. And we're not looking into the eternal. We're not looking at, um, or let's just say secularly, we're not looking at the long term of a marriage. Um, and you and I had the privilege of our parents staying married, right? And we, we watched that journey and my parents didn't have a, you know, a great marriage at, at chunks of what I remember, but they've, fought through it. They worked hard. And at the end, their last like 10, 15 years, it was so golden. It's like breathtaking mm. of how God transformed them and how they treated each other. And, and that's what my, my dad died, you know, a few years ago. And my mom is left with this. That's what she's left with. Not mm. all those years of hardship. She doesn't talk about that. Yeah. But the, the, the whole package and how it is valuable and it is worth it. So I just want to encourage people that way before I jump into the next. Um, so today let's talk about practicalities. Um, cause these are great concepts, but it's like, how do you walk it out day to day? And there is research, secular and Christian research that shows that little things go a long way. So when we're in these hard spots, when we are in, um, you know, what seems like impossible situations, you know, we are looking at the whole thing and thinking there's no way. But if you begin with one little step, like how can I speak respectfully to my husband or, or wife? And even if they're not acting respectfully or lovingly, how can I do that? You know, you take that one little thing. 
uh, one little step. Um, I think the, another thing is maybe to return to our first love. And as Christians, Christ should be our first love. So, so my example, and maybe you'll have an example of this, but um, my example is I spent so much time, so much energy, so much brain space, so much prayer focused on, on my husband and myself. I didn't spend a whole bunch of time. (laughs) Oh, I sought God's heart for, for me, for us, for him to change him, you know, to make things better, to get me out of my misery. I mean, I did that. I did a whole bunch of seeking God that way, but I didn't seek him for him. I didn't Mm. seek him to find out who he is, you know, more about him. So he really convicted me out of the revelation verse of, the church of Ephesus and returning Mm -hmm. to your first love. And that goes back to that neglect thing, right? So if, if we're not nurturing our first love relationship that is with Christ, then we do get lukewarm. um, And that will spill out into our marriages and to our other relationships, to our life. Absolutely. Yeah. And then two other practical things I would say, and then I'd love to hear what you have to say, but, um, instead of trying to change your spouse, let God change you. We've talked about that, yeah. but that, I mean, it's just simple, but it's probably one of the most powerful things you can do. Again, psych- psychology tells us, and the Bible tells us that. And then another thing that's very practical, practice gratitude. Mm. You know, again, we can be experts at the sins of our spouses, what they're doing yes. wrong, how they're not doing it right. And I am, I mean, I'm speaking to me right now, but man, <laughs> if I took the time to practice, to look at what am I grateful about? What is he doing? Right. What do I, you know, love? How does it benefit me even, you know, I can look at it selfishly even. Um, so that is huge. It's a game changer. Um, it just flips the switch and helps us remember why we fell in love with our spouse. So that's even going back to our our first love, our first love and how that happened. So, yes. Oh my goodness. Because our walk with, with Jesus can be mediocre too, because our, our own love is mediocre um, for him. And we all go, or many of us go through spells like that just in following Christ. Um. Angel, I just, I, those resonate with me so much. And I do remember one time when I was just on my knees and praying for my precious husband, praying for our marriage. The kids were not in the house. I was by myself and would just got on my face. And the Lord just told me, surrender, surrender that marriage, surrender oh. him, surrender, surrender yourself to me. And at that point I did, I let go and let God, you know, it's like, okay, Lord, you, you work all in, you know, the other stuff. Um, but my focus was just on my bridegroom and we entered into a a whole different kind of love relationship, just he and I, and out of that intimacy, that burning fiery, passionate love that the Holy spirit puts in our heart, for our risen king that you know everything else flowed from that all the healing flowed from that 
flowed from that first love. And so I'm so glad that you keep emphasizing that because that's not something that's, you know, just available for super spiritual people. And I mean, that is who Jesus is and Mm -hmm. that is what he longs to give us. And the freedom of walking in love with him lets us walk in freedom and love and respect with our spouses and with others. Yes. Yes. So well said and great example. Yeah. And then it frees us to not expect from our spouse what only God can give us. And when you take unnecessary or unattainable demands off of each other, then wow, goodness rises up just naturally because you know, we're all about talking about oppression these days. And that's an oppression of sorts when we're demanding or expecting somebody else to give us what only God can give us. Have a final encouragement that you would like to leave us with? Yeah, I do. Don't give up. Um, Mm. I think one of the biggest things, not just in a marriage, but in life in general, is we don't persevere long enough. Um, And we know spiritually, the enemy of our souls wants us to give up. And he especially wants us to give up right before we reach, you know, some kind of victory. So think about it. I, I would encourage people to think about their marriages like a marathon, this is not a quick sprint. This is not a, you know, a, 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 a easy thing, but it is a good thing. Um, unfortunately, we don't train for marriages like we do for marathons. Maybe we should. True. I know right. if we took all that time, but that's right. But that's okay. Cause God's enough in it, but you're going to hit lows. You're going to hit times when you just want to give up. You're going to have highs you know, you're going to think you're never going to make it. But if you just keep going with God, he will get you through. You know, you never know what he's going to do. Now we know again, on this side of heaven, not every marriage is redeemed yet. His victory can still be had as far as how that divorce or separation is handled, you know, the effects of it and then how you move on from it. So it is, it's, is it his perfect will to um, heal all marriages? I believe it is just like it's his perfect will to heal us all physically, but we're not going to get all of that on this side of heaven because of sin, because of evil, because of brokenness, but we go after all we can. So don't give up. And that angel sounds a lot to me like hope and hoping in the salvation of the Lord I love, I love the verses that are in Micah, um, a minor prophet. And it, basically it's talking about discord and in families. But these words have been a touchstone for me. But as for me, so it doesn't even matter what everybody else is doing, what's going on. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And we wait and we work and we don't give up because A, he never gives up on us. And B, because we don't know the rest of the story, like your mom and dad. 
And we don't know what he's going to do, what the breakthroughs that are going to happen. So I just really long to, to keep my eyes fixed on him and to walk in the hope of knowing that the God of the impossible is on the move. He is always on the move. And to trust him and watch and see the, the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Amen, my friend. Well, Angel, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and the Lord's wisdom and your experiences with us. I have learned a lot. So let's wrap it up here. And if it's okay with you, I would like to pray. Love it, Kathleen. And thank you. Father, we know that you are the God of all encouragement. And we know that you are the God that enters into a covenant with us and our spouse when we get married. It is a cord of three strands that is not easily broken because you, the Lord God Almighty, hold it together. You fight the battles for us. You give us the love that we need to pour out to the person who is most important in our lives, the person we're walking through life with, journeying on the path that you have. So Father, right now, I ask that you would infuse with brand new hope those who are in darkness, those who are weary and frustrated and want to quit. And would you give them, Holy Spirit, the ability to to be strengthened, to watch and to wait and to work for what you have in store for their marriages. Lord, there is help. Help is the name of Jesus. Help in, in wise men and women to come alongside us and lead us into healing. We ask that you would resurrect dead marriages, that you would breathe new life into those that are stale, and that you would always, always, always remind us that our marriages are a sign to the world of the glory and love of God. We love you, Lord. Thank you for angel. And I pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed our chat about marriage. Again, not the easiest challenge that God gave us, but it's a good one. It sure helps to shape and form us more into his likeness and teach us more about sacrificially loving, which truly brings freedom and joy. So I encourage you to let him seek your heart and what he wants to shape and form in you this week and get the log out of your own eye before you start pointing it at the other person. So have a great week. Look forward to next week with you and God bless. Thank you.